welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live as well at richarddugan.com. But don't forget about the Wednesday morning broadcast at 9 a.m., it's a special broadcast. Hope you'll join us during the week for that one. We podcast these programs on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and many other locations, as well as watching these videos on YouTube. The channel, Richard Dugan, Tell Me Your Story. I hope that you will subscribe to the podcasts and to the video cast, as well as a listen to, maybe bookmark the Listen Live link so that uh, you can uh, always jump into the program at those times or subscribe to the podcast and get notified every time a new interview is posted. So we encourage you to do that. Also, if these programs resonate with you, like the subject matter we're bringing you, the guests we're bringing you, and the conversation that we're having, and you'd like to support us financially, we would greatly appreciate that. That is why I have a PayPal account. It's for your security as well as ours. And all you have to do when you go to PayPal and you want to send, then you put in the email address richard at richarddugan.com. It's that simple, richard at richarddugan.com. We also ask that you participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, where we encourage you to go within to that still, quiet, calm, peaceful place. That is a place where no one else but you can go and listen to that still, small voice for that uh, insight and encouragement, that support that you can get on a regular basis, the guidance uh, that will carry you through. We hope that you'll do that as well. Our program today is also going to take us inside, as it were. We're going to be talking with Connie Zweiger, and she is the author of The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul. And we'd like to thank you so much for joining us. What part of the country are you coming to us from today? I'm in Southern California in Marina Del Rey, Richard. I've been there once, actually conducted an interview on a yacht. <laughs> at the marina. It was very interesting. Well, it's great uh -huh. to have you uh, with us. And um, and uh, Connie Zweig, Ph.D. Uh, tell me about the Ph.D. What What is that for? Psychology. Okay. I like it when uh, I have uh, psychiatrists and psychologists on the program. They can analyze me and tell me. <laughs> this is my therapy. You have to understand that, Connie. Well, it's, it's great to have you with us here. And um, the inner work of age. Now, when I read the title, and just, just when the book arrived, you know, and yes, I'd, I'd seen some of the other materials. But when I read the title, I thought, does this have to do with a particular age in time? Or does this have to do with my age and our ages in terms of uh, uh, that inner work that we're always talking about, as you heard me say about going within, that's part of the inner work that that we're doing. Is are, is that what you're referring to? Is this is the, is is this sort of referred to as the age of inner work? Um, no, it didn't refer to the collective. It refers to the individual. Okay. Um, certainly, our age or our cultural moment needs the inner work. But the intention for the book was to guide people through 
their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, we could say midlife and beyond, mm -hmm. with practices and tools that will help us to age well and to age consciously. Well, I'm, for the first time in a long time, I'm part of that group. 61 years of age. Uh-huh. And uh, I would have to say that I'm probably right. I, it feels a little bit like I'm right back where I started back when I was in my early 20s with doing the inner work. Um, I had just started working in radio. I have I started meeting all kinds of different people, uh, more in the metaphysical community, the spiritual community. So I guess that's the next step is uh, what is it? What is this? What is this inner work of which you speak? <laughs> um, you know, I think that a lot of people um, do self-reflection, maybe go to therapy, maybe learn a, a contemplative practice in their 20s like you, um, looking for some kind of healing, some kind of emotional repairs, some kind of um, uh, self-knowledge. And then it gets dropped for a while as we move into midlife mm -hmm. and we do our empire building and create careers and families. And, um, and for some people, there's a call to return to that search for self-knowledge and those contemplative practices um, when work becomes less important and when other transitions are happening, such as retirement. So um, the framework for this new book came about because when I was entering my late 60s, I began to feel disoriented. And I began to wonder if I retired from my clinical practice, what would be next? Hmm. And I was surprised that I was kind of feeling that because I have done so much psychological and spiritual work. And yet here it was, and I realized that there was a late life identity crisis happening, which I'd never seen talked about. You know, we all know about the midlife crisis, but that can be solved by changing roles. In midlife, we change careers, we change mm -hmm. spouses, we move to another location. That doesn't work in later life. Mm. It's not about a new role. It's about really exploring a deeper identity. And so for that, we need some tools. We need tools to repair the past so we can really live in the present. And we need tools to explore who we are now as opposed to who we used to be. And um, tools like a life review to kind of harvest all of the wisdom that we've gained from our long lives. And then spiritual practices to really learn how to quiet our minds and do contemplation. And also to prepare for death. So the, our needs, our developmental needs change after midlife. And I didn't really see any other books that had depth psychology uh, as the context. In other words, what is happening in the unconscious? What is happening in the shadow as we approach this stage of life? And that's why I realized, given my expertise, my earlier books are Meeting the Shadow, Romancing the Shadow, and Meeting the Shadow of Spirituality. 
And that all refers to our unconscious issues, how we sabotage ourselves mm. unintentionally. Yeah. And so how do we sabotage ourselves unintentionally as we enter this stage of life? That really became my guiding question. I have to tell you that I have been and probably started more in my 50s than here in my 60s, but it's certainly much more profound now that I was pondering a lot of the stuff that was going on around me. Even though I'm one of the few, at least I consider myself one of the few, who I took my father's advice and I found a job that I can call my vocation uh, he, he always told me, he says, find a job you love doing because you're going to be doing it for a long time. Don't get stuck like me. And, uh, and I didn't. Uh, now, I have, I've done other things <clears throat> that some might say, well, but that was off the path. I says, well, yes and no, because I don't believe there's any wasted time. Everything that you do prepares you for the next step and the next step and the next step. But... I have to tell you that I've been thinking a lot about this whole aspect. Now, first of all, I'm not thinking about death. I don't think about death much. Not because I don't like thinking about it, but because, look, if it's my time, I'm good to go now. Do I have a lot I still want to do? Sure. But I don't control that. Uh, they put an expiration date or a departure date, if you will, on my ticket when I arrived that I don't get to see or know. And when that time comes, I'll, you know, I will, I hope, peacefully and gracefully go. So I don't, I don't put a lot of thought into it myself. Now, is that, is that a form of denial from your perspective? You know, I don't know you well enough to really answer that about you. I don't know your psychology. Um, what I can say is that... Um, in Buddhism, the contemplation of death is a primary practice. Not to be morbid about it, but just to get around the sort of natural denial and defenses that come up in people around that. Mm. So yeah. there's a, there are a lot of spiritual teachings around um, maintaining what I call mortality awareness, even maintaining it in the periphery for a while, and then allowing it to come forward. Like right now during the pandemic, so many people are dying. We're experiencing collective loss mm -hmm. and grief like we never have before. And yet people are still in denial. I just read an article this morning, a headline. The guy said, you know, COVID is political. It's nothing real. Mm. And then he died. A week later, he died. Mm -hmm. I've, I've heard of these stories, yes. And so there's a, there's a denial that is entrenched in people and built in for whatever reasons around their psychodynamics in childhood or their religious teachings or their fears of having watched people die and, you know, yeah. losing, losing friends and family. So my... my you know, the way that I'm teaching this is that late life, the context of late life, in part, is a preparation for death. It's not the whole story, mm -hmm. because there's tremendous potential and opportunity for living in this stage of life. Mm -hmm. 
But there is a way in which death is closer on the horizon. And if we pretend it's not there, then we're missing out on the gifts in that awareness. So for example, I was just talking to a friend and I said to him, what will you regret on your deathbed if you don't finish now? And he said, my novel. Now this guy has written about 25 nonfiction books mm -hmm. and he put off writing his novel because he couldn't make any money doing it. But now he's in his seventies. And when he said that, he went, okay, I'm promising myself I'm going to turn to my novel now. So that awareness helped him to shift what he was going to do with mm. this time in his life. Mm. Well, you know, uh, it's interesting for me to take a look at uh, all of the, the phases that my life has been through, and then I'm looking at the phases that other people go through. And a lot of people, again, as, as you say and, and talk about, obviously, in your book, The Inner Work of Age, uh, in this particular phase, yeah, there is more contemplation. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it's because we're starting to reach that point where we're having to uh, recognize and accept our mortality. Uh, yet at the same time on this program, we talk an awful lot about how we are immortal. We are immortal, but it's not the body that's immortal. Um, however, that part that is immortal is, it's kind of intangible. We, you know, we can't, we can't put our finger on it, you know. Um, we would, it would so, be nice. I wouldn't use the word immortal. Okay. But um, because it has religious overtones that uh, I think push people away. Okay. But what I would say about that is um, one of the great promises of this stage of life, as taught by all the spiritual traditions all over the world, is further spiritual development and cultivating deep spiritual experience. And whether, you know, you grew up within a tradition like Christianity that had a monastic um, stream in it mm -hmm. or Judaism, which did not, or um, Hinduism, which, you know, the four stages of life in Hinduism are student, householder, grandparent, and recluse. So mm. all of the traditions and Buddhism also, you know, teaches um, time for contemplation. So they all teach that. And yet in the West, we think we're supposed to stay young, look young, and keep doing at the pace of the midlife hero. Stay busy, mm. stay hurried, stay responsible, stay, mm. you know, and not go through any changes as we age. So for me, we miss out on all the treasures of this stage of life if we maintain that attitude and those behaviors. So to come back to what you said, the spiritual opportunity here is what I call the shift from role to soul. And I borrowed that phrase from the spiritual teacher Ramdas. I did not make it up. I want to give him credit. And role to soul means that our unconscious identification with our roles, 
in work and family fall away. They naturally fall away. And they're fleeting. And they're not who we are. Mm. And so this is the time to shift our identity to who we really are. And whether we call that soul or immortal self or divine or God, whatever we call it isn't important to me. But it's our identification with that, that spiritual essence, that is the really profound opportunity for this time and for people who are willing to do the the inner spiritual work. We're talking with Connie Zweig. She's the author of The Inner Work of Age. I find this actually rather fascinating, uh, considering the phase uh, that I'm in in my life right now, shifting from role to soul. And we're talking with her here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. And we hope that you will stay right where you are as we continue bringing you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true with Connie Zweig, author of Inner, The Inner Work of Age, Role to Soul. You said something rather interesting about the role. And that, you know, uh, you know I, I sometimes refer to it as the mask. It's, it's a kind of the same thing. Yes. And I have to wonder if we're beginning to reevaluate the role. Was that really us in the first place? And are we doing a disservice to the younger generations by, in a manner of speaking forcing slash indoctrinating slash whatever other word you want to use, whatever that verb you want to use, uh, those roles on them. I mean, who says that you have to go to college, you have to uh, find a mate, you have to have 2.6 kids, you have to have a job, uh, and so forth, You have to do all of these things because our economy depends upon it. And that's something that bothers me more than anything is that everything seems as though it's driven by this this monolith that we either consciously or otherwise support, and that is the economic institution. It's like there, there, there's, okay. there's something, is, and is that because I'm in my 60s now and I'm thinking this way? <laughs> so, you know, there, there are many levels to your point, but as a psychologist, what I understand is there are natural stages to human development. And when we're little, we, de- we begin to develop an ego or a conscious personality based on what based on the responses of elders when we're seeking love and approval Mm -hmm. so if we're polite or if we study hard or if we show our feelings or don't show our feelings if we um, are creative or not creative whatever gets expressed that receives love and approval goes into the ego What gets shamed and criticized goes into the shadow, the unconscious. Mm -hmm. And in this way, we learn what works and what doesn't work. And we need our egos to operate in society. It doesn't mean that 
we have to become, you know, the biggest CEO with the most money, like you're saying. No, it doesn't mean that. We could be an artist, or we could be a musician, or we could be a teacher, or a nurse as a, as a career, or a writer. So it's not so much from my point of view about what the culture is doing wrong. That's just not my critique right now. That's okay. just too, too big. Too big, okay. To handle. Yeah. What I'm suggesting is that these stages of development, childhood and adolescence and young adulthood, and then midlife, when we build everything and our egos are at their peak, mm-hmm. like Joseph Campbell would call it the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. So we have these heroic egos in the West. We, they don't have this in every culture. It's very culturally specific um, to Western, you know, um, Anglo primarily culture. But this is the path that people are taking who are born into this culture. And what I'm suggesting is that there is a way in which it's a mask. There is a way in which these roles narrow who we are because they narrow our emotional bandwidth, right? Mm -hmm. They narrow our um, range of activity, range of permissible behavior, range of interests even, because we're scrambling so much to survive at certain stages of life. And then what I'm saying is, okay now, time to drop it. Time to change our internal speed limit and see what shows up. Time to move from obligation to flow or from distraction to presence. You know. And allow, allow life to unfold. And it's not easy. After a lifetime of, of doing, it's not easy. And that's why I'm giving practices for how to do this. If this interests you, there are ways to learn how to turn within and begin to focus on your own development in this stage of life rather than on you know, more consumption or more accumulation. Or more achievement. Goal. Or more achievement, yeah. right. I have to say that's probably one of my big bugaboos. Now, ironically, I have chosen a career, or that, or it's chosen me, either or, uh, where, yeah, you do kind of, sort of, because uh, there is a certain level of achievement with each interview, with each program, with each finished project. But I also know, too, that that's just another one in the line of you know that's not the end there's there's always going to be more and that's okay that was one of the things that i noticed too early on in my career was that it wasn't like i um <clears throat> i worked uh, a job where every day you finished and then you just started over the next day uh, it wasn't a continuation maybe you were to, to maybe you were building widgets and you were supposed to build 100 widgets a day I built 100 a di- widgets a day, had a little extra time. I could just sit and relax a little bit and then go home. Tomorrow I build another 100 if I choose to come back. Uh, whereas this, it, it just it, it's a continuation. Well, I mean, life is a continuation too. So I, as, as much as I loved achieving some of the things that I have over the years, um, you're right. I'm at a phase in my life now where 
I still like working on the projects, but it's not, oh boy, I can hardly wait to finish this project. I'm now really enjoying the immersion in the project, the creative creative flow that's part of the project, you know. And, you know, we'll be done with it when we're done with it. Don't well, rush Well, our it. priorities change. Yeah, yeah. Our priorities change and our values change. And, you know, people who can't undergo these changes become more rigid and sometimes more bitter and regretful. Yeah, yeah. So we, but, but a lot of people need help allowing change to change them. Yeah. It's, it's too scary mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. And so I wrote this book to really kind of help people enter this stage of life in a different way. Mm. And think about it as a rite of passage. You know, every rite of passage has the first step, which is letting go. Oh. So we, we let go of these roles and identities. We let go of the outworn attachments to how we look or what we achieve, right? Mm-hmm. And then we step into the unknown. There's always a time of liminality when we're uncertain and we don't know what's next. And then if we do the inner work, we emerge with a new beginning, We can emerge as an elder. And a lot of the book is about the difference between senior and elder. Hmm. Because we're automatically seniors in our culture at 65. But becoming an elder is an intentional process. Hmm. It takes this inner work that we're talking about. It takes cultivating self-awareness and Mm self-knowledge and compassion, and a lot of qualities that we don't always see in older people, you know, who are, who may regret, who may have a lot of regret. And it's also not something that you are trying to achieve. It's just something that happens when you are doing this work. That's what it sounds like to me. Connie Zweig, PhD, author of The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role, R-O-L-E, to Soul, S-O-U-L. And I'm Richard Dugan. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true as we continue our conversation with Connie Zweig. And Connie, you have a website, ConnieZweig.com, and of course that's C-O-N-N-I-E-Z-W-E-I-G.com, where people can not only uh, find out more about you as well as the book and other works that you've done. Let's, I, I, there, there is one thing I did want to talk about before we even try to shift away, and probably won't, but we'll see what happens, from the book itself to some of the other works. I like part one, just the title alone. Um, because we are always looking for guidance. And obviously, I encourage people to go within. I've, I've had my struggles with that, even though I'm always encouraging it. I do try to listen. The divine messengers. And you seem to encompass not just specific ones, Per se, uh, are there ones that stand out for you, divine messengers? Define that for us. Well, that phrase comes from Buddhism. There's a tale of Siddhartha before he's the Buddha, mm-hmm. 
um, being shocked in his initial encounters of leaving the palace and seeing old people, ill people, and death. And he allowed that experience to wake him up into uh, the desire for spiritual practice. His, the fourth person he saw was a monk. And he realized that there was another way to go, another place to put his attention and dedicate his life. What I realized in writing the book is the divine messengers are all around us. Retirement is a divine messenger. It's a call. Mm -hmm. Retirement is a call to go through this rite of passage and step into the unknown and, you know, accept the invitation to a different quality of life. Illness is a divine messenger. It wakes us up to our mortality, to our limitations. If we're caregivers, it wakes us up to compassion and to seeing other people as souls, you know? So there, there are divine messengers all around us. I think love and relation, intimate relationship can also serve that, that kind of call. Loss, the death of a loved one can serve as a divine messenger. So it's a mess and so can dreams. I opened the book with a dream that I had that was really a divine messenger for me that allowed me to realize I was undergoing an identity crisis. Mm. Do you think too uh, that there is there is uh, um, a regular happening, especially amongst couples, as they reach this stage that you write about, uh, that even as they're doing their inner work, they're realizing maybe, uh, and being honest about it, okay, we, you and I, we have gone as far as we can in this life together. Um, it's time for us to, so to speak, to move on uh, to whatever the next phase of our lives is, and it's not together. Uh, well, that's not what the book is about. Richard. I understand. I understand. I didn't. I didn't focus on relationships okay. in the book. I understand. But I could imagine that you know people go through a late life identity crisis and want change, mm -hmm. and they instead of recognizing that it's a call to turn within and allow themselves to deepen and change, they look outside. And they think mm. the other person has to change or they have to change their partner. And that's, you know, that happens a lot at midlife. But in late life, you know, especially 60s, 70s, 80s, mm -hmm. you're going into a time together when people are vulnerable. And people have um, perhaps more needs, mm -hmm. perhaps more dependency. Um, perhaps more pain. And, you know, these are what I call shadow issues. These are issues that come up from the unconscious. If you're afraid of dependency and you're unconscious and your spouse becomes dependent or you become dependent on your spouse, this is going to be really challenging 
Mm-hmm. And some people might look for just a quick fix. Let's get rid of that person. I can't deal with it. But that's not what I'm writing about. I understand. Yeah. Okay. Then then we've done a good job there of clarifying for that from that standpoint. And that's important, too, to let people know where you are coming from and what they are likely to find when they do pick up a copy of The Inner Work of Age. And we are talking chronological age here, folks. And we encourage you to go to ConnieZweig.com. We will be linked to her website so that you can find out more about the work that she is doing and other works that she is uh, sharing with us here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We're also looking for those new ways of living. And I'm curious, Connie Zweig, author of The Inner Work of Age, is this something that is uh, new in our Western society, or is this something that's been around for ages? I'm not sure what you mean by this. What's Uh, new is the extended longevity that we're experiencing now. Okay. It's unprecedented, unprecedented in human history that people are physically and emotionally, creatively active in their 80s and 90s. People mm-hmm. can live, can be healthy now at 100. So it used to be that people would have a long decline before they died. Now, often people are living really well late into life and then dying quite suddenly. Okay. So that's what's unprecedented here. And that's why there's so many tens of millions of people who are looking for guidance and wanting to find, you know, wanting to extend their own development alongside their extended longevity. Do you find that uh, this, this inner work at these ages, at this sequence of ages that you've referred to, uh, does it typically bring about uh, an awakening of not necessarily religious overtones, but spiritual, metaphysical overtones uh, in, in, let's say, in the contemplation that, you know, yeah, I, I worked and worked and worked, but it really wasn't what I wanted to do. And I've often been, this is what was told to me as I was a kid growing up in my 20s and 30s and so forth, you know, uh, do what you love, the money will come, you know, that kind of thing. Well, as I said, I'm one of the lucky ones where uh, I have been doing what I love. I'm still waiting for the money. <laughs> but uh, do, do you find that uh, that is part of the, the outgrowth of this inner work? Not sure what the question is. Is there a spiritual component to what an individual uh, discovers doing this inner work? Is there a spiritual component in terms of you know, a connection to the divine, a communication with the uh, know, uh, intuition and so forth? This is very individual. Okay. Some people are looking for that and some people are turned off by that. So when I wrote the book, I was very intentional about not telling people what to do and not telling people what to believe. So what I'm offering are practices that can take you more deeply into yourself. Mm -hmm. And if for you, if that's emotional 
discovery, that's wonderful. If it's creative discovery, that's wonderful. If it's spiritual, that's great too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for the people who have, so I've been practicing meditation for more than 50 years. Wow. So for me, that's just built into who I am and how I've lived my life. But there are other people for whom that's just not true. Right. And maybe they want to learn how to meditate now at 65 or 75. There are practices in the book for that, for beginning, medi for beginning meditators. Oh, great. Yeah. So this is really about finding what you can use in the book that fits who you are. Mm -hmm. It's not about me telling you who to be. And I, I certainly wasn't implying that. I didn't think that that's what you were doing in the book. But it's, it's more that a lot of people, especially if they are now dealing with their mortality, um, I, you know, I've often wanted to, but not wanting to impose this question on my father, who is 90. He turned 90 in August. My mother, 87 in September. And, um, you know, it's like, are you ready to go. I mean, I can answer at 61 that, yeah, I'm ready. I mean, there's a lot I still want to do, but if today's my day, I'm good to go. And they're, they've been around an additional 30, you know, 30 years. And, uh, um, you know, and I don't know if they are. I, I do know that they're happy with their lives as they are right now. They're enjoying uh, being great. I love the, I love saying this. They enjoy being great grandparents. Um, I love it. Not that I have much experience right now because we haven't been able to get together, but I enjoy being a great uncle. I don't know. It just sounds kind of cool. But the whole issue of dealing with one's mortality and the, 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 the life after this. And then there's that question, is there a life after this? That's, that's another issue that I don't know if that's something, again, maybe that, that goes into that realm with, that we don't want to go into uh, in terms of, uh, um, it's not a question of telling people what the truth is, but even just throwing out suggestions. Well, the theories are one, two, and three. <laughs> so my suggestion is that it's really important for you to talk to your parents about their beliefs and feelings about dying. Mm -hmm. And what do they want from you? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if, you know, the family has made plans or not. Um, what do they want for themselves? How do they, what are their fears and concerns? Mm -hmm. You know, what are their regrets? And is there anything that you can do about that? Do they need forgiveness for anything? Mm. So I have a whole chapter called Life Completion. And it's really about examining, you know, what is a completed life for you? Again, I'm not telling people what that is. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for you? What is a good enough life? And how, what can you do now to really feel completion when you're dying? So I would encourage you to have a gentle, open conversation with your folks you know, if they resist or say no, then you can respect that. Yeah. Um, it's not about beliefs, again. Right. You know, some people believe in life after death and some people don't. My advocacy is for experience, direct spiritual experience, not beliefs, concepts, mm -hmm. ideas. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I had a client who had been doing Buddhist meditation practices for years. And when we really explored in his shadow, underneath that, underneath the beliefs that he learned from Buddhism, Mm -hmm. he found tremendous fear of going to hell from his early childhood Catholic training. So it's important from my point of view to kind of excavate these beliefs and see where we're at as we approach the dying process and what we can clear out and what we can resolve internally and with other people. Yeah. We're talking with Connie Zweig, PhD, author of The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul. ConnieZweig.com is the website. We encourage you to go there to find out more as we continue on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We come your way uh, every week with four programs. We have podcasts, we have videocasts, and we hope that you will check all of that out. Uh, SoundCloud is the focal point, if you will. YouTube for the videocasts. You can subscribe to either of those, and we hope that you will listen. Uh, We have a Listen Live link on the website richarddugan.com so that you can listen to the programs as they're broadcast on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Connie, this it's fascinating to me. All of this is very fascinating to me. And you kind of brought up something that I wanted to touch on just a little bit. And, of course, as we, as we grow, as we age... And, you know, teens are aging, 20-year-olds are aging, 30-year-olds are aging. We're all aging. We go through, as you talked about earlier, different phases. Our chemistry, our body chemistry, our biology changes. Um, And that also changes the way we see things, the way we think about things, the way we do things. And when one was in their 20s, let's say as a male, you know, he was out to you know, conquer the world and sow his oats, as it were. And all of that starts to slow down as it gets older and older and older to the point where uh, it's not about achievement anymore. Now it's just about connection. Um, Is this an area that you talk about at all in terms of uh, intimate relationships? uh, Or is that another, another area where you're not dealing with relationships in that regard? But again, I'm talking more of the biological aspects of the human being as they get older and how that affects their decision-making, the things they want in their life and so yeah, forth. Yeah, it's really not a book about biology. Uh, no, I understand. It's a book about psychology okay. and spirituality. Mm-hmm. That's really what it's about. That's my expertise. I don't have expertise in biology. Um, I present research on how meditation affects biology and genetics. Okay. And it actually affects the telomeres, the part of the chromosomes that reflect our aging. Um, but it's it's not it's not a biology book. It's, well, it doesn't. You don't have to know any science. Okay. To understand this book. But that's interesting. What you just said: the effects of meditation on the chromosomes. Yeah. That's fascinating. I mean, there, there are, and there are many other studies that talk about the effects of classical music on the brain patterns, the neural net, and so forth. Uh, that well, there's a, there's research now about how music affects Alzheimer's patients and can bring back memories that are embedded with the music. 
Did- but, you know, that's not, I mean, my book is really a guide for people who um, long for something more as they enter late life, maybe after retirement or after an illness, if they long for more self-knowledge or more contribution, there's a whole chapter on service and activism and getting more engaged. A lot of people, you know, the last two years have felt so isolated and lonely. Yeah. And there are ways to get, there are lots of elder organizations now that are engaged online. I saw this week that Jane Fonda, who's 83, and Bill McKibben, who founded 350.org, started a new organization for elders fighting climate change. There's all, it's called Third Act, if anybody's interested. So there's all kinds of things that are happening in ways to contribute and serve the common good. And I'm more interested in that than, you know, in, in the science of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find that uh, um, the people that you have uh, worked with and associated with in the creation of this book, The Inner Work of Age, uh, are very interested in, uh, and again, I know we can't escape our own egos, but by the same token, they want to make a difference for future generations, and they want to leave a legacy that matters, that makes a difference. Is that really what you're, you're, you're hearing? Yes, I think legacy means different things to different people. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's really grandiose, and for other people, it's just being a good grandparent. Um, I close the book with a letter to the grandchildren of the future, Mm -hmm. because I wanted to communicate, you know, um, my vision, uh, my wishes and hopes for the next generations, which I think are going to have a very difficult time with all the collective challenges that we have Mm -hmm. so in a way that was a legacy letter for me and Mm -hmm. my stepkids have read it now to my grandchildren and so that was moving people are making videos to leave to their families people are writing memoirs as legacy other people are getting engaged in encore careers and volunteering and mentoring there's a lot of elder mentoring now of other generations So there's this activity level of what we do, and then there's this internal level of what we explore and uncover in ourselves. And um, they're both a part of the book because they're both an integral part of who we are. Well, um, it's hard to separate all of those things out. Uh, We can't compartmentalize our lives. We're we're all connected. What about the, the, the... the, is there any kind of connectivity, community that uh, you see being established under under this this banner, shall we say, of inner work? Well, there are lots of elder organizations now. There's Elder Action Network, which is mostly about um, social activism, and there's Saging International. S-A-G-E hyphen I-N-G dot org, which is more focused on inner work to become a sage or an elder. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's lots of other communities. You know, Encore Network is about much more about activism and the outer work. 
there's a big anti-ageism movement happening now. Um, and people who are fighting for an age justice movement in the culture. There's all kinds of stuff happening and publications and uh, podcasts and all kinds of things. So, you know, if your listeners are interested in, in getting engaged in um, the world of conscious aging or positive aging, sometimes it's called, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of stuff to find online and there's community there. There's community among elders that's happening. I know that that is a really big issue for a lot of people is establishing community because uh, we have been so separated and non-communicative or not communicative, but uh, we haven't really been the kind of community that we used to be because we've been separated. And I'm sorry, but Zoom communities are not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, that we need that that connection and that contact uh, yeah. You know, I'll, I mean, I'll take it even six feet apart if that's what it takes, as long as I can see another human being face to face in person, live and direct, as it were. Yeah, I understand. And uh, I know that that's important for a lot of people. Uh, again, because if we were intended to live uh, solitary lives, I'm pretty sure there are sufficient eight billion planets out in the universe for each one of us to live a solitary life. But that's not how we're living. We're all here on the same planet. And so it seems to me that that's, uh, that's part of the mix as well to, to, uh, to keep us connected. Do you find... So I want to just, before we end... Sure. I want to hold up the book. Yes. And offer an invitation to people mm -hmm. to take this journey with me to the inner work of age and to practice shifting from role to soul. I'm going to be teaching lots of online workshops through the end of the year. And you can find them on my Facebook page at Dr. Connie Zweig or on my website, which Richard mentioned, mm -hmm. ConnieZweig.com. Um, and if you want more information about the schedule, you can email me, ConnieZweig at gmail.com. All right. Well, we will have all that information and uh, encourage people to go to your website, which we will be linked to so that they can do just that. And uh, it's it, to me, I think it's it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting thing to be contemplating, especially the fact that, as <laughs> as my father said, another one of his wise sayings, eat, drink and be merry in moderation because nobody gets out of this world alive. And um so we need to, to do what we can to maximize the time that we have here to do the things that we truly want to do. And if that means that as you get into your 60s, would you, would you start in the 50s or you start with the 60s? I guess it doesn't matter. If it's 60s, 70s, 80s, and if you get into your 90s, are wonderful. And you want to make a difference in the world, you still can. Uh, we kind of promote on this program, Connie, that... Uh, we, we provide choices and knowledge of those choices that make people's dreams come true. And that you always have choices. You are never devoid of choices. The question is, are you willing to look for them? And I, I honestly believe that doing the inner work is going to help you to find a lot of the choices that maybe you didn't know existed. That's right. And to hear the divine messenger calling to you. Absolutely. What's next? Yeah. What's next for you? Yeah. Thank you, Richard. I enjoyed our time together. You are very welcome. I uh, 
I do have uh, three final questions that I like to ask each one of my guests before I let them go. And you may have addressed them to some degree during the program, but I do like to ask them directly. Before I do that, I do like to remind you, the listener and the viewer, that our programs are on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. And don't forget the Wednesday program at 9 a.m. The podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, many other locations, iHeartRadio and Amazon Music. And so uh, you can also watch these programs on YouTube, the channel Richard Dugan, Tell Me Your Story, and subscribe. I'd uh, greatly appreciate that. And as of this broadcast, podcast, videocast, we are, I, I'm just astounded. It jumped over 1,000. It were 45,500 listens on the podcast end uh, in such a short period of time, and when I say that, since January 1 of 2018. So thank you, thank you for listening. If you'd like to support what we're doing, PayPal, richarddugan.com. When you go to send, uh, we use PayPal for your security as well as ours. And please, uh, Connie has been promoting what we are tell have been telling you for the last two and a half years to spend time going within during this, the decade of the perfect vision, the 2020s, uh, listening to that divine voice, that still small voice, being in that quiet, peaceful place. And I couldn't agree with you more about the shadow. We have to learn about all of who we are. And, and, and I'll be the first one to admit, sometimes it isn't easy. Uh, but stick with it because it is so beneficial, so beneficial. And, um, and again, we thank you for, uh, for sharing uh, this message uh, with our listeners. And with that, I give you the final three questions of this program. And the first of those three, who is Connie Zweig? <laughs> a soul on a journey. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? Um, I'm transmitting information about consciousness. That's what I've always done in this life. And that's what I'm doing now. And finally, what is your life's purpose? Uh, my life, my individual life's purpose is my own evolution of consciousness. My own spiritual development. Connie Zweig, thank you again for joining us here on the program, and I hope that we get a chance to talk again and talk about some of the other works that you have put out for our listeners. They can find out more about those. Uh, and you say you have six other books, is that correct? Um, I have Meeting the Shadow, Romancing the Shadow, Meeting the Shadow of Spirituality, the new book, and a novel about the life of Rumi. It's called A Moth to the Flame. Well, we'd love to have you back on the program to talk about anyone or all of those. I think they're all very fascinating, especially the sequence uh, or series, if you will, on the shadow, because I do think that's important, uh, important for us to do, because it's all of who and what we are that makes us who we are. We can't get rid of the bad stuff that we as we term it as we term it because that's part of what makes us who we are so we'll we'll get back thank together you, and talk more about that thank, thank, you, you, thank and, you and thank you for listening to and watching tell me your story new paradigms for a new world as we give you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true and until our next broadcast podcast video cast
love to lull. 